Exodus 14, 10 through 31. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to, to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots, and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night, without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to, to them on their right, on their right hand, and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Of all the host of, of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus, the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, uh, Alison, for reading the scripture for us. Uh, good morning, church. Yeah, good to be here this morning to worship the Lord with you. 
Uh, the last time I visited you and I, I spoke was about maybe nine or ten years ago, and uh, you were few, maybe about 50 people. Now the Lord has multiplied you. I praise God uh, for the way he has been leading you. And as Mike said, uh, I was born and grew up in Ethiopia, but my family and I lived in different countries. So we have tasted different cultures, different food. Uh, we lived in Uganda, uh, in Ethiopia, in Zimbabwe, in South Africa. And for the last 10 years, we are Floridians. <laughs> uh, we have been living in uh, Orlando, uh, Lake Nona area. Uh, we were brought by our organization, by Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, when I was asked to, to help establish church planting division for our organization. Uh, we have four kids, two boys and two girls. Uh, so we moved to Orlando. Uh, we established uh, a church planting division, a global department for our organization. And uh, we, are, we are here. So this morning, uh, we are looking at uh, Exodus chapter 14, the verses that uh, Alison has read us. Uh, but I will also uh, borrow a few verses from chapter 13 uh, and chapter 3 as well. So the topic of my message this morning is stand still. Stand still, stand firm. Just to give you the background uh, of that uh, chapter, in Exodus chapter 3, God appears to Moses in Midian in flames of fire within a bush. And God calls him to go to Egypt and to deliver his people out of his slavery. He led them to the land that he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In chapter 3, verses 7 to 10, God gives Moses a specific instruction. But God says, I am responsible for this work but I will use you. I want you. But the work of taking the people out of Egypt and bringing them to the promised land belongs to me. I will do the work, but I will use you. When you read those few verses in chapter 3, verses 7 to 10, you will see that God says nine times, I, and only once, you. For those who know um, mathematics and statistics, that is 90% God and 10% Moses. This is what God says. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress. 
I am aware of their suffering. I have come down to rescue them. I have come down to lead them out of Egypt. I will lead them to fertile and spacious land. I have seen how harshly my people are abused. I am sending you to Pharaoh. That's nine times I. But now you go. That's how God works. That's how he works. When God calls you to serve his purpose, he carries the heaviest burden, and he gives us the lightest. Even those who were commissioned this morning as deacons and deaconate, it is the Lord who will carry the burden, but he gives us the opportunity to partner with him in carrying his burden. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. What did he say? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because he carries the majority of the burden. And he involves us in the work of his kingdom. So after that, Moses goes to Egypt and tells Pharaoh... This is what the God of Israel says, let my people go. And Pharaoh responds, who is the Lord? That I should obey him and let Israel go. Who is the Lord? So God shows Pharaoh who God is by sending 10 different plagues. The reason for those plagues was that God wanted to show Pharaoh who he is because Pharaoh said, who is God? But a few days uh, then, Pharaoh let, after the 10 plagues, Pharaoh let the Israelites leave Egypt. But after a few days, after they had left, Pharaoh regrets his decision to let the Israelites go, and he starts pursuing them. He mobilized his army, and he started to pursue them. And chapter 13 and 14 tells that story. What happened? And chapter 15 is a song of freedom, a song of celebration, a song of victory. Those three chapters, 13, 14, 15, they go together. And our key verse, verses this morning, chapter 14, verses 13 to 14, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You will need only to be still. I grew up in Ethiopia. When I was uh, uh, six years old, Ethiopia became a communist country. And almost every church was sh shut down. It was illegal for us to carry the Bible. It was illegal for us to share our faith with others. It was illegal for us to pray. I grew up in that hostile environment to God. We were persecuted severely. And these verses, they gave us hope. 
We loved these verses. We loved these chapters. Do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. So many times we were threatened. They told us that they would kill us. But God was always with us. He gave us hope. And we told those who persecuted us, we told them, you can kill us. You know what happens when you kill us? You are sending us to Jesus. But we don't want to go by ourselves. Jesus also died for you. you want, we want you to go with us to heaven and we witness to them. But these verses were very, very precious to us. So there are five points I want to leave with you this morning. The first one is God is more concerned about our destiny than about the road we take to get there. God is more concerned about our destiny than about the road we take to get there. More concerned. He's also concerned about the, the ways, but he's more concerned about our destiny. He is more concerned about our eternity, our final point. And I'm taking this principle out of uh, chapter 13, verses 17 to 18. Chapter 13, verses 17 to 18. It reads like this. God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. So there were two options on how God would lead them. One was a shortcut through the Philistines' territory. Another option was roundabout, a long road. And God chose the long road. He chose the roundabout to lead them. He didn't use the main road. That was the main road through the Philistines' territory, but God did not use the main road. He did not use the short road, the short route. He led them in a roundabout way. That's according to the New Living Translation. Why did God use the roundabout? Why didn't he use the short road to lead his people? And the Bible gives us the reasons. It would be difficult for the people to return to Egypt. That's what God wanted. God did not want them to return to Egypt. But he wanted them to arrive at the promised land. So God in, was intentionally complicating for them to return to Egypt. You know, it was very hard for us during the communist regime in Ethiopia to follow Jesus. 
But at the same time, it was the time that our faith was so strong. Our dependence on God was so strong. You know, we were praying overnight every week. We started praying at around 8 p.m., and we would pray the whole night until 6 a.m., 7 a.m. And the whole night would look like half an hour. We were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. The strength of God was with us. And many times they, they told us to deny Jesus. But this was what we sang again and again. The cross before me, the wall behind me. The cross before me, the wall behind me. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. We were determined to follow Jesus no matter what. That was God's plan for his people. No turning back to Egypt. There is a promised land. I want you to go to the promised land. So I'm leading you through a long route. I have a place I have prepared for you. No Egypt, but the promised land. God is more concerned about our destiny, the place that we reach, than about the route we go. He didn't want them to turn back. Through that roundabout, through that long road, God would part the Red Sea, so he led them toward the sea. Because he wanted to show his people who he was. God would be glorified. By parting the Red Sea, God would confirm to the people that Moses was the leader that he had, he had chosen. You know, that's how God confirmed that Moses was his chosen leader to lead the people. And again, the way God confirmed Joshua's leadership was by crossing the River Jordan. God used those significant events to say, this is the person I've chosen to do my work. It's usually through the long road, the roundabout way, that God would test your faith. How strong is your faith? Are you patient enough? Do you persevere? Do you trust God? Do you know him? It is through that long road that he tests the strength of your faith. So when the road that he's taking you is taking too long, don't complain. Don't say, how long is this going to take? Don't complain. Just trust God. Tell God, I know what you are doing. I know what you are doing. Help me to trust in you. You know the long road? 
is God's purpose for you. He is teaching you. He is drawing you closer to himself. He is building your faith. The second point I want to give to you, God is faithful to his promises. Chapter 13, verse 19. God is faithful to fulfill his promises. And uh, the verse in chapter 13, verse 19 reads, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Very significant. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Over 400 years before this time, Moses, before he died, in Genesis chapter 50, verses 24 and 25, he spoke to his brothers. He said, surely God will come to rescue you. Surely he will take you out of this land, Egypt. Surely he will lead you to the land he had promised to our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When that time comes, make sure that you carry my bones with you. About 430 years before, Prophet Joseph, he, he was able to clearly see that the day will come that God will visit his people and rescue them out of Egypt. Now that time has come. And God was in the process of rescuing his people. And Moses took the bones of Joseph. And they were carrying his bones. There were two important things that uh, the children of Israel carried in the wilderness for 40 years. Two important things. The Ark of the Covenant and the bones of Joseph for 40 years. When they carried the bones of Joseph, they remember that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. The bones of Joseph would witness that the promise that God had made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is now being fulfilled. And these are two great leaders apart by about 400 years, but very close to each other in the biblical chronology, Genesis 50 and Exodus 1, 2, right next to each other, but 430 years. Past and the present, the promise and the fulfillment. Joseph spoke about the promise. Now his bones are witnessing the fulfillment of God's promise. The connection between the two is God's faithfulness. So what God has said to you, he is faithful and he is able to fulfill. You know, this morning we sang, God is able. Sometimes we sing, but deep down we don't believe. 
We don't. And I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, God is faithful and he is able. Whatever he has said he would do in you and through you, it may be now, it may take long, but God is able to fulfill. Believe that. Believe it will happen. The third point, God is always with us. God is always with us. And this comes from chapter 13, verses 21 to 22. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. It's amazing. You know, the Lord just didn't send them a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. But God was in the cloud. But God was in the fire. God was the one guiding them. He was the one protecting them. He was the one showing them the way. He was the one shining his light upon them. Jesus said, I'm always with you. He's, he didn't say, I was with you, now I'm not. He didn't say, now I'm with you, but I will not. He said, I am always with you. He knows your circumstances. He knows your situation. He knows your needs. He is always with you. I want you to say to yourself inside of your heart, even right now, God is always with me. Can you say that? God is always with me. He is. He is always with you. And in Hebrews, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It's never. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Even today, his cloud is with you. Even today, his fire is with you, guiding you. He is with you. Number four, God puts us in a narrow place when he wants us to know him. God puts us in a narrow place when he wants us to know him. This comes from chapter 14, verses 1 to 4. So the Israelites had left Egypt, and after a few days, Pharaoh has mobilized his army, and he was pursuing the Israelites. Now God gives this strange command to Moses, a strange command. He says, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pihahiroth. You know, the enemy is marching after you, and the Lord commands, turn back. To which direction? To the direction that the enemy is coming. Turn back. And then he asks them to camp in a place which is a very narrow place. Left and right and in front is the Red Sea. 
the only way to the land is the place where the army from Egypt is coming. Sometimes God does the strangest things. And there, the Israelites camp. And the army arrives. Why did God do that? Why did God want his people to turn back and to sit instead of running? To camp, to sit down and wait for the army to arrive? One, the Israelites would learn that would, they would learn what it means to trust God. They would, as a result of this, they would sing a song of victory in chapter 15. God would show the Egyptians who he was. Don't forget the question, the, the question Pharaoh asked, who is this God? And God wanted the whole world to know what, who he is and what he does. You know, sometimes challenges are good in our life. Problems, difficulties, they are good in our life. They are painful. We don't like them, but they are good. You know why? They make us stronger. They draw us closer to God. We depend on God. We pray. I have uh, gone through some difficult moments in my leadership journey. I started ministry in Ethiopia. I led the ministry in Ethiopia, the Ministry of Campus Crusade, for about five years as a national director. And then I led Campus Crusade ministries in southern and eastern Africa region for 11 years, leading 23 countries. Now I'm involved in global leadership. Not everything has been smooth. Leadership is rough. Sometimes it's painful. But you know, the greatest development happened in my life, not when things were easy, but when things were difficult. So God uses difficult moments in your life to shape your character and to grow you as a leader, to mature your faith. I, I, I teach leadership. And this is what I say to leaders whenever I teach them. Leaders eat problems for breakfast. They love problems because problems make them stronger, more mature, wiser. So God intentionally commanded his people to sit in a narrow place because he wanted to part the Red Sea. That's what he was doing. And the final point is there is nothing too hard for God. Nothing too hard for God. You know, they camped in this narrow place. The Egyptians have come, and the people have turned against Moses. They started complaining. Why have you brought us here? It would be better for us, it would have been better for us to, be, to, to stay servants, slaves in Egypt, than to die here. Moses was in a difficult place. His own people had turned against him. 
The enemy had surrounded them. Moses' Moses's calling as a leader was under scrutiny, under serious question. His leadership was threatened. The Red Sea in front of them, the enemy behind them, the place is narrow. Very challenging moment. It was at this time that Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Trust God. See the salvation of God. God will fight for you. Moses spoke by faith, and God responded. God said, tell the people to get moving. You know, that this is also strange. Tell the people to get moving. Where can they move? Because it's the Red Sea. Where can they move? But God again knew what he was about to do. Pick up your stuff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water. I have given you authority to do that. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel, you know, it was not only Moses who was leading the people, it was God himself leading the people. The angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. So he changed his location. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies. So can you see this wall? So the, the pillar of cloud moved from front to the back and came in between the two camps, the Israelites and the Egyptians. You know, what amazes me was this pillar that came be between Israelites and Egyptians. It played two major roles. This pillar of cloud to the Israelites gave light, shined light, but to the Egyptians gave darkness. The same pillar, light this side, darkness the other side. That's how God intervenes. When, that's how he protects. That's how he leads. The angel moved. The cloud moved came between the two people. God is all over you. He is all around you. His light shines upon you. His eyes are always on you. Don't doubt the presence of God. Don't doubt the leadership of God. Don't doubt the wisdom of God. He is all over you. His light shines upon you. So Moses raised his hand over the sea. The Lord brought up a strong east wind and opened up a path through the water. The people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water to the left and to the right. That is how the Lord rescued his people and showed them who he was 
and saved them. Brothers, sisters, God is your victory. God is your wisdom. He is your protection. He is your vision. He is your destiny. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to focus your eyes on him. He wants you to walk with him. Never doubt, always believe. There is nothing too hard for God to do. Have faith in him. Stand firm. God is more concerned about your destiny. Stand firm. God is faithful to fulfill his promises. Stand firm. God is always with you. Stand firm, even when he puts you in a narrow place because he's inviting you to know him, because he's inviting you to experience his greatness. There is nothing too hard for God. As I conclude, I want to share a brief testimony. In 2010, my family and I were living in Pretoria, South Africa. I was giving leadership to the South, Southern and Eastern Africa region for Campus Crusade. And I was asked to move to Orlando with my family uh, to help establish church planting division. My wife and I prayed. We felt God was confirming that we said yes. So we moved by faith. And as we were praying, God would put a very big vision in my heart, uh, which is to ask God to give us the whole world, the whole world. At that time in 2010, the global population was about 7 billion. From the 7 billion, 2 billion claimed to be Christians, and 5 billion did not. So I told my, my team, God is calling us to believe him for the impossible. To work together with the 2 billion people who call themselves Christians, and to engage the 5 billion people with the gospel. And to plant a church. It could be a house church or missional community, a church we know. For every 1,000 people, among the 5 billion people who don't follow Jesus, in every suburban neighborhood, urban high-rise, rural village, digital space, school, workplace, wherever people are in a walking distance to establish the presence of God's kingdom. So that would mean I'm, uh, I'm, I studied mathematics, so I love numbers. That would mean a church for every 1,000 people among the 5 billion means we are looking at helping to plant additional 5 million churches. And people said, are you crazy? This will never happen. I said, no. Our God is able. He loves every person. He created every person in his own image. Jesus died for everyone. So it's not sin to trust God for something big. Let's trust him. And we started establishing the movement. And in 2011, 
I was praying and God whispered in my heart that I should go out and look for other like-minded leaders and work together. And we started going out and meeting leaders who were leading church planting movements. And uh, I started inviting them to work together, to join hands. So in 2011, we started Global, Global Alliance for Church Multiplication, GACX, with five ministries who agreed to learn from each other, to share resources, to love one another, to encourage, support one another. And we started inviting other leaders to join. So today, we have 106 global ministries working together to see a church planted among every 1,000 people all over the world. And because we have been working together in the last 10 years, we have seen 2.2 million churches and groups established all over the world. So we have already seen 45% of our goal reached. God is able. I want you to believe God. He is with you. He is all over you. He is all around you. And his word is true and he's faithful to do what he said in his word. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we give you praise and glory and honor. You are our Father, and you have given us your spirit, and you enable us to call you Abba, our Father. We love you this morning. We love you so much. We love you because you have loved us first. I thank you for this community. I thank you for this church. I thank you for Mike and Molly for the leadership. I thank you for what you are doing in and through this church. I thank you for the way you have been raising them up, multiplying, calling leaders, saving people. I pray, Lord, that your anointing will continue in and through this place and through these people. I pray, Lord, that you will increase our faith this morning. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to teach us what you want us to learn about knowing you, following you, coming closer to you, understanding and fulfilling your purpose. I pray special blessings on every person here and online. I thank you for the word that you have spoken to us. I pray, Lord, that the word that you have spoken to us will bear fruit, fruit that will last. We praise you, we worship you, for you are worthy, our God. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.